He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Now, does God want to open people's eyes and heal them? Of course he does. But the person has to make the decision about what they're going to do with what they've heard. Every creature is unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name You are amazing God Oh powerful, untamable, awestruck with Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. In quoting from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, John emphasized that unbelief was because God acted in judgment upon those who refused to see his truth and turn to him. God would strengthen them in their decision, either for Jesus or against him. In light of this principle, they could not believe as Isaiah described. He does not mean that the blinding takes place without the will or against the will of these people. So with the hardening of their hearts, these men chose evil. It was their own deliberate choice, their own fault. You don't believe because you don't want to. Now here's Pastor Rob. The Son of Man must be lifted up. Who is the Son of Man? And see, the Jews knew that Jesus Christ, they knew that the Messiah had to be God in the flesh. They knew that he had to live eternally. And so they had a struggle with this idea of Jesus dying on the cross, but they failed to understand that the prophecies in the Old Testament even spoke of his resurrection. Like Psalm 16, verse 10, you know, and Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22. These, these scriptures that we're not going to go into, but, um, you know, you can write these down, but it speaks of that. But, it, but, but they, they understood that he was uh, alive forevermore. Because in, in Daniel chapter... Um, uh, 7, in the very last verse, of uh, 14, uh, says, Then to him was given, and it's speaking of Christ, to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all peoples and nations and languages serve him. His dominion is what? An everlasting dominion. It's not just going to last for a thousand years, folks. It's going to go way on beyond that. Which cannot pass away. It's not going to pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed, not be destroyed. So then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. I am the light, Jesus said. I will will be with you a while longer. And walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. And he who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. If you're not a believer, you're you're walking around in the dark. You're stumbling around because you have no idea where you're going, what your purpose is. And that's a really unsettling thing for anyone to go through. That's why it's important to, to be, to give your heart to Christ. Give your heart to Christ today. Don't wait any longer. You don't have tomorrow. You're not guaranteed. 
So verse 36, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And these things Jesus spoke and departed, and he was hidden from them. And then going into verse 37, but although he had done so many of these signs before them, they did not believe in him. And see, the witnessing of miracles doesn't necessarily save anyone or bring someone to a saving faith. What did it say in John 6, verse 29? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God. Notice that you believe in him whom God has sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign, what miracle will you perform then that we may see it and then believe in you? What work will you do? What they were basically saying is, we hold to the idea that seeing is believing. And many people today do as well. Many people in the church, not maybe not any of you, but in the church globally, in, 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 or, or at least nationally, there are people who believe that seeing is believing. They, 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 don't, they still don't get it. And yet, this is the mantra of every man that, show me and then I'll believe. Show me and then I'll believe. But they had it all wrong because it's actually believing is seeing. Not seeing is believing, but believing is seeing. Because once you believe, then your eyes are open, and then everything becomes clear. And I know this to be true for myself. What does it tell us in Hebrews? Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not yet seen. I, 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 it's a substance of things hoped for, and there's evidence, but yet it's of, of things not yet seen yet. But you have this confidence, this assurance and that's what faith is. It's not really tangible, something you can hold on to, but that's what faith is. But when you believe, then you see. But the world says, no, I want to see, and then I'll believe. And God says, no, you have to believe, and then you will see. Didn't he tell um, Nicodemus? He said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There has to be something that happens first. You need a new nature. You need to be born again, and then you can see. But if I'm unregenerate, if I'm unsaved, I am not going to see it. And I can tell you firsthand that that was my experience. I read the Bible, or I tried to, when I was not even saved. My grandmother had a Bible, and I remember reading it, and I'd read a few a little bit, and then I'd, I'd read a little more thinking that you know, I could you know, to earn something. And I'm like, I'll prove to God that I'm holy, and so I'll read more, and then finally I'm just like, you know, whatever. But no, it wasn't until after I got saved. I believed and then I saw. And remember that because that's the way it has to be. If, you're, if you can't see, if you're, not, if you're spiritually blind, then maybe you haven't received Christ. Because the Spirit of God who indwells you, making you a believer, it's His job to make you see. But first you have to believe. And that's an act of faith. And that faith, I believe, is even given to you by God. Some can argue with me, but I don't care. I think that God gives me everything. He gives me the capacity to believe, right? And even with, with, with Abraham, you know, God in Genesis 15 told Abraham, you know, Abraham, uh, you're going to inherit all of this land, and as look out and see the stars, because uh, as, the, as the stars are innumerable in number, so is, the, is your seed. I'm going to multiply you, Abraham. And Abraham was an old man. And he's like, yeah, right. But he didn't do that. He didn't say that. God told him, this is what I'm going to do, Abraham. See the stars? So shall your seed be. All your people who will come out of you are innumerable as the stars of the heavens. And what does it say? And Abraham believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. 
He believed, and now he sees, even though he didn't see it yet, right? What does it tell us in Hebrews chapter 11? These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Do you see that? Abraham and many people, including you and I, we rest in promises that God has made, but we believe by faith because we haven't seen it yet, but we know that it's coming. I know that Christ is coming for us. Why? Is it just because, you know, you know, pie in the sky? No. It's, it's, it's written to us very clearly, very plainly in many areas. Oh my goodness, the types in the Bible of, of, of Christ coming for us are there. And so we have to wake up and believe. Are we spiritually blind or are we alive and kicking? <laughs> are you alive in Christ? Are you kicking But although, verse 37, he had done so many signs before them, notice, they did not believe in him, yet that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is a direct quote from Isaiah 53, verse 1. One of the most significant Old Testament uh, passages, and yet the Jews, they didn't understand it because they weren't enlightened. They they were still spiritually slugger sluggard, dull of hearing, unbelieving. And therefore, verse 39, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. And here he's quoting from Isaiah uh, chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Now, does God want to open people's eyes and heal them? Of course he does. But the person has to make the decision about what they're going to do with what they've heard. And you and I can hear, and I, I, I remember this myself. I heard the gospel so many times, but my, I was dull of hearing. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And the miracle of miracles is that one day I did, and I have no idea why. That's a mystery of God, but I did then, and here I am today. So it's a mystery of mysteries. I don't, I don't quite get it. But there's a time when God says, you know what? That's why he says, don't cast your pearls before swine. There's a time when you share with somebody and they're just not ready to hear it because they're so wrapped up in their sin. They're so wrapped up in their unbelief. You know, you know and you, you can only do this by the Spirit of God, you know, to have an, an understanding, an inkling, an unction, if you will, of, you know what? I'm just wasting my time right now. I'll come back. <laughs> and that's kind of what God did. It's kind of what Jesus did. Their, eye, their ears, their eyes were just... He's like, they just don't understand. This is why Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables. Because their hearts were dull and unbelieving. He would give them something, but they they weren't able to handle the truth yet. So he spoke to them in parables. And you can look at Matthew 10. We don't have time to go there. Um, Well, let me just read the 10 through uh, 17. And the disciples came and they said to Jesus... um, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, and he, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given and will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even that what he has will be taken away from him. That doesn't sound like the Lord, does it? But what he's talking about is their, their attitude toward these things. If, if, they, if their hearts are engaged, God is, he wants to do everything to encourage But we have a a way to harden our hearts, don't we? 
We do. We do have that ability. In fact, it tells us in, um, you remember with Pharaoh, he hardened his heart. He hardened his heart, he hardened his heart. And then one time, actually on five different occasions in Exodus, it says, then God hardened his heart, affirming his hardened heart that he had chosen. And what an unfortunate thing for it to happen to anyone when they are just obstinate. They're like, no, I'm going to harden my heart. And finally God says, okay. Is that the decision that you've made? Okay. And that's why it's so dangerous for us to harden our hearts today. Because we don't know if that's going to be our last time that we're going to have an opportunity. I look back on my life and I see the times that have been shared, the gospels have been shared with me, and I look back at them and now I see them as precious gifts that I shunned and I shunned and I shunned. And for God's mystery of mysteries, one day I finally said, yes. I have no idea how that happened. I can't even take credit for it. But I did. I received him. But there are a lot of people today that claim they are believers, but, they're, but they are not. And, you know, it tells us in Timothy, in verse 5 there, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They have a form of godliness. They love going to church. They love going through the motions. They love going through the, the liturgy, and they love going through all these things. But there's no relationship. It's just all stained glass, and it's all statues, and, and praying the rosary. and, and do it. Yes, and I'm talking about Catholicism, because unfortunately, and that happens not only in Catholicism, but even in Protestant churches. People get used to the routine of things, and they're just kind of like just going through the motions, but there's nothing going on inside. And Jesus, at this time, was speaking to Israel who had fallen into the same trap. They had gotten used to the, the services. They had gotten used to the things. And, and they just got into the inner like, you know what? Then if I just do this, then I'm good with God. And God's like, no, that's just the beginning. Our gatherings like this are just the beginning because we take it home. We listen to it again, maybe. Or we, we, we look at our notes that we've written and we look at those scriptures and it changes us. That's what it's supposed to do. Right? I got to remember to smile every now and then because sometimes these, it can get a little thick, right? But it's true. It's true. And even in Romans, you don't have to go there, but let me just read to you Romans, verse 24. And this is a scary thing. Therefore, God, and speaking about unbelievers, who are bent on sin and not repentance. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. Notice, he gave them up to uncleanness. That doesn't sound like God, does it? Well, he's affirming what they, what they want so bad. Now, are they hopeless and helpless? No, if they really cry out, God will meet them. But he gives people up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts for a season. And if they don't repent, they're going to be in a lot of trouble to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Are we seeing that today amongst the homosexual community and even in the heterosexual community? They've given themselves, God will, if we don't repent and turn from that, there is a time and God help us if we ever in that place where God says, is that what you really want? Then I'm going to let you taste it for all it's worth. And hopefully I'll see you on the other side of this. God also gave them up 
to vile passions. For even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, they burn in their lust for one another. Men and Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, notice God gave them over to a debased mind. That's why they don't make any sense. That's why all the stuff that's going on makes no sense at all. They fight and they fight and they fight. No, marriage is, can be anything. you know. And God says, no, marriage is between a man and a woman. No, but we want it to be a man and a man and a woman and a woman and a man and a dog or whatever you want to, you know, your MacBook Pro, I don't know. what You know, there's actually a man who married his Mac. I just got to tell you that. So, um, not, no kidding, this is a true story. But he gives them over to a debased mind. But thank God you and I have been washed. And see, this is why we have to share. This is why we have to warn people. The people we love. Warn them. Don't make them feel good. Believe me, the feeling good comes after. You can be nice, and you ought to be loving and nice when you share these things, but it's going to cut right to the quick, and it's going to be hard. The the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce between the bones and the marrow, between the soul and the spirit. Believe me, it's not easy, but the pain has to come first, and then there's joy. The, ba- the labor pains, and then the baby. And we have to die to ourselves and acknowledge our sin before we can have the joy of salvation and the, the wonderful world that God has given to us and to live and to walk in the light with him. As, as walk in the light as he is in the light, and then we'll have fellowship with one another. Isn't that what we desire to do? Yes. Let's finish these last few verses. I apologize for keeping you longer. Sort of. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And there's the problem with proud, proud man. We can't see God, so we'll please man, because man we can see, and we have to deal with them every day, but we're unconscious of the fact that Almighty God is there And he's very much aware of what we're doing and what we're feeling. Even the words that we think, he already knows what they are. That's kind of scary if you think about it. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. This is is speaking of the unity of the Father and the Son. They are one. God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are three in one. God in three persons. God Almighty, one God, but God in three persons. The Trinity that we know of. And I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And that is true. In his first advent, when he was first born, he came to save the world. But we also know that there's coming a time, and these scriptures will attest to that, that God is going to come back to the earth for judgment. After the church is removed, we're going to be with him for seven years while he's pouring out his wrath on a world. But when he comes back, oh, believe me, there's going to be judgment. Actually, there's judgment on the earth, but he is going to be the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, to this world and its system and Satan himself. It's a very real thing and it's coming. 
And he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. That last day is when he comes back. Not only when he comes back in his second full coming physically to the earth, but at the end of that thousand-year reign, the great white throne judgment, that will be the day, the final judgment. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command that I should, what I should say and what I should speak, and I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Notice the dependence upon God. Dependence upon God. And we're going to end with this. Let me ask you this. You know, this, this whole section, we really kind of focused in on this whole idea of blindness, you know, spiritual blindness. So what is the best way to combat unbelief and spiritual blindness? Number one, you need to be born again. I forgot to put that on there. I assumed that. But you need to read the Word of God. And these are all very simple things, and yet we fight against it every day because life has taken over most of us, and our schedules and calendars have overrun these things. You're going to have to fight to get these things back. But we need to read the Word of God and be a doer of it. Secondly, we need to pray and develop a rich prayer life. If you do that, you are going to be combating unbelief and spiritual blindness and get involved in serving Christ wherever it is. It could be here. It could be at the Father's heart. It could be any, any way. You could be serving your neighbor. You could be serving in your community. You could be doing something here, washing toilets and cleaning floors, vacuuming, you know, cleaning glass and spider web in, in the spider webs in the corners, which there are plenty, by the way. Don't look. But get involved in serving and worship Him. Worship Jesus Christ and grow in your walk with Him. If you do those things, you are going to be combating unbelief and spiritual blindness. Do you want to see? I want to see. I want to see clearly. And you know what? He's given us that. By His Spirit, He's allowed us to see and to perceive the kingdom of God And we also perceive what is not the kingdom of God. Anybody notice the things that are not the kingdom of God? And the things that are? The things that are of Him and the things that are not of Him? Blessed is the person who does see. Because we believe. We believe and then we see. Not the other way around. Seeing is not believing, but believing is seeing. Amen? Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. And Lord, pray that you would encourage us as we continue to grow in the faith and as we begin to put feet on these things that we have read this morning, these scripture references, Lord. May we look at them again and and be encouraged, be challenged, be even convicted, God. But would you do that work in us today, Father, and just continue to work in us. And Lord, bless us, Lord. I pray that everyone here would know just how much you love them. Lord, you love them so dearly and so much. And Lord, I pray that no one would leave here feeling condemned. But Lord, they would just be on fire and just set, a, a, just set up right again. Would you do that work in us, Jesus? How we love you and how we thank you. And Lord, just sort out all the crazy things in this life. Give us peace. Give us peace, Lord, and help us to know And help us to fall in love with you more now than we've ever had in the past. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.